on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board, as always, you can listen to us wherever you go, perhaps you're already in line for Kenny Chesney, waiting for that shuttle bus, (laughs) better safe than sorry, these days, yes, they're going to have more buses, and they're going to open the pedestrian bridge, and apparently the orange lot is open, so hopefully... It won't be quite as much of a cluster as the Dave Matthews show was Tuesday. But if you are heading out to Kenny Chesney tonight, you're going to be chilling in the parking lot. I would imagine you would want to listen to, oh, I don't know, Kenny Chesney. But if you still want your sports fix, that's what the app is for. It's a beautiful thing. You download the ESPN app. You find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Utica Rome, and off you go. Wherever you go, we go with you. Waiting in line for shuttle buses and other things. We'll we'll keep you company, ladies and gentlemen. Here's how you get in touch with the program. 437-7644 is the phone number. You can always hit us on Twitter where the show never stops. Brent Axe Media. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. All great ways to get in touch with the program. We have two guests that will join us through the course of the show. FYI, this is going to be on my last show this week. I will be off tomorrow and Monday. Tomorrow and Monday. No on the block. I know. I know. Do what you can. Do what you can, kids, to occupy yourselves at some point between 4 and 6 p.m. I have a suggestion, as a matter of fact. You can listen to old shows. You can listen to the show on podcast form. We have a podcast. We take the show. We turn it into a podcast every day. If you subscribe in iTunes or Google Play to ESPN Syracuse, it'll be sent to your phone or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can listen on demand whenever you want. So there you go. I solved that problem. But the FYI, we will not be here tomorrow or fr- or Monday. So if there's anything really burning a hole in your pocket, today is the day to get into it. Our buddy Anthony Lima is going to come on back from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland here in this hour, about 15 minutes from now. I'm very curious what the mood is in that city because they know they're done. They know that Golden State's going to win this thing if it's in Game 4 or in Game 5. It is inevitable, barring one of the greatest and unlikely comebacks in the history of professional sports, even with the greatest player on the planet. There's just nothing Cleveland can do to get by this Golden State Warriors team three times, as we have seen. So the question now shifts to, will Game 4 be 
LeBron's last game as a Cleveland Cavalier. Stop me if you've heard that one before, but we've got a summer of LeBron coming up. So I want to talk to Anthony Lima about the finals, about what the Cavs can do, if anything, to make this competitive, and always good to check in with our buddy at 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Top of the next hour, John Jastrzemski, JJ, our official New York correspondent, will join us. Mets and Yankees Subway Series getting underway this weekend. Uh, if you're going on our Bob's True Value bus, the City Field, see the Mets and the Yankees Sunday night, getting revved up for that. No, Seth and Paulie are ready to party with you guys and gals heading on down for a Sunday night baseball, so that'll be great. We'll get a preview of the Subway Series. Plus, J.J. had an audience with the Pope. No, not the Pope. The sports Pope, Mike Francesa. I mean, we've got to ask him about that. That's incredible. So we'll get to that. Um, Stanley Cup Final tonight, of course. West Genesee on the brink of an amazing story here. If they can clinch a state championship on Saturday. Hot takes as usual, including uh, T.O. disinvited himself from his own party. And a name that might surprise you. I'm not sure who really stuns us, surprises us, comes out of left field anymore when it comes to the world of performance-enhancing drugs. In this particular case, it's football. But this name might raise at least somewhat of an eyebrow. And it's a significant suspension that he's getting for the team that he is on. So we'll get into that during hot takes. But I want to start today with our old friend Daryl Gross. Now, in the past few days, you have probably seen, and if you haven't, you should find it on Syracuse.com. My colleague and friend Chris Carlson has done a terrific job sorting through the tax documents that we only get from Syracuse on basically like a year and a half delay. Syracuse is a private school, so they are not obligated to disclose really a lot of things until they absolutely have to. But in sports, you know, USA Today puts together this database every year, for example, that lists all the salaries of all, what is it, 125 college football coaches at the FBS level, all the major Power Five, Division One college basketball coaches, right? Because we're in a world, it's movie trailer, boys, guy, in a world where college athletes don't get paid, but coaches are swimming in Scrooge McDuck vaults of money, right? Money in sports, who gets paid what, even at the college level, is something that is always interesting. So when we hear what the salaries are for Jim Beheim, for Daryl Gross in this case, we'll get to momentarily, for Dino Babers, who this was the first time we learned just how much money he's making as the head coach. This stuff matters in the sense of what are you investing in your coaches? What's the dispersal? Do you take kind of a discount as a head coach so you can pay your assistants more money? And it's always fascinating to see these documents come out. But Chris has taken this a step further because there was a very interesting notation in the latest tax document, the 990 form, that Syracuse.com got which was from two years ago. And in that, Daryl Gross, former athletic director, having since moved on for the past couple of years and only having worked six months of the year, was one of the highest paid individuals at Syracuse. So now you start looking into it and what kind of buyout he got and what kind of position it was. And today's story by Chris gives us a real look behind the curtain. It's a curtain that I'm sure Syracuse University would rather you not look behind, but it shows us how this stuff works. And it's fascinating why the chancellor and why anybody else involved in this process felt like they had to do this. So let me take a step back. You can certainly read the story for yourself. Let me kind of give you the bullet points, though. 
If you have not seen the story, it's up. Chris Carlson wrote it on Syracuse.com today. The headline, if you want to check it out, exclusive. Syracuse quietly rewarded XAD Daryl Gross after NCAA violations, which is the very interesting part about this. You know, people move on, they take other jobs, but this was in the wake of the NCAA violations in 2015, and who was going to take the fall for that? Now, Jim Beheim had to sit out nine games for that. Jim Beheim lost scholarships, something that got back, but lost scholarships, had his recruiting affected by these sanctions. So he really took the biggest punch in the stomach from an essence of how do I make my team competitive, though in that stretch Syracuse made a Final Four and a Sweet 16 and was you know a bubble team each of those years to make the tournament. But they really got through that a lot better than maybe you thought they would when those sanctions were announced in 2015, right? But Daryl Gross was the fall guy. Daryl Gross was the only person to essentially lose his position because of this. And there was people involved that former directors of basketball operations, Stan Kissel, who was the one who forged the paper for Fab Mellon. So, yes, he lost his position too. But of the big guns, Daryl was really the one who took the fall, or so we thought, because this was a pretty cushy landing. So as Chris writes here, in March 2015, just after the NCAA released a report punishing Syracuse University, athletic director Daryl Gross resigned, appearing to take the fall for a national embarrassment. Behind the scenes, however, Syracuse was rewarding him financially. Far from punishing him, the school gave Gross a new three-year contract worth more than $1.5 million, all for a vague, newly created job that involved little public responsibility. When Gross wanted to leave that new job just one year into that arrangement, Syracuse paid him $675,000 to help him accept the job across the country. He's now at Cal State L.A. As Chris goes on to write here, the details surrounding Gross's departure and his financial arrangement with the school were revealed in legal documents obtained by Syracuse.com and shed a new light on his departure from the school. So let's stop right there because I referenced those tax documents that we get kind of on a year and a half delay. What we learned about Gross here, what Chris learned about Gross here, came from a totally different thing. It was a situation happening at his school that he was he had to give a, dep, a de, deposition about. So as Chris goes on to write here, Gross said in a sworn testimony, quote, if I wanted to be at Syracuse, I could be. I had the opportunity to stay there as long as I want. As Chancellor Ken Severud said, quote, Daryl, as long as I'm here, you can be here with me as long as you want to. Those financial arrangements weren't included in the letter from Syracuse Chancellor Ken Severud to the Syracuse community in which Severud addressed the university's response from the NCAA investigation. You can read that, of course. It's up. We linked to it, the letter from three years ago. As Chris goes on to write, these were only revealed in a deposition involving a gender discrimination and sexual harassment lawsuit at Gross's current school, Cal State University, Los Angeles. Gross is not a defendant in that lawsuit, but was deposed by a lawyer for the plaintiff. So Syracuse.com obtains a copy of that, and you go through it and you see the details, the quote that I just gave you, what he said about having the opportunity to stay at Syracuse, if he wanted to, and we learn about this contract, which was not announced by the school. We knew the position. He was a special assistant to the chancellor. He taught a class at the uh, Fox School of Sports Management, right? But 
As Chris notes here, a significant portion of Syracuse's response would remain hidden if not for a lawsuit at this Division II school across the country. Gross's deposition covered 721 pages, about 40 focused on his time at Syracuse. In that deposition, Gross said he was given a new three-year deal by Syracuse that paid him the same salary he was making as athletic director. Quote, this is Daryl now in that deposition. It was a wonderful opportunity at my same salary and given a contract to do that and to still sit on the cabinet of one of the top 55 schools in the country. Now, we were never really told what he did in that position. Look, look read the story, go through it. It adds up to, so what exactly did we do about this? Yes, it was embarrassing. Yes, he was kind of the fall guy for it. He was the one that had to step aside. But did you have to, and I'm asking this openly and critically now, what was it about that role, and we don't know because nobody commented on this story, that would say to me, all right, instead of just moving on and contracts are contracts, which we can't see because they're private documents, what about that situation makes me say, you know what we should do? We should give this guy a new three-year deal that pays him the exact same thing that we're paying him now. And you look at, and Chris notes this in the story, some of the things that were going on at the school at the time. There were some buyouts going on. There were some other things. Campus community was protesting because of some financial hardships at the school. And, and you're paying a guy essentially his same salary as AD to do what exactly? And again, the question is why? Was there a lawsuit pending? Was his contract hard to get out of? I mean, he resigned. At least we thought he resigned, right? So what exactly with a situation, you know, you had an out there, NCAA sanctions, as much as some of that has turned out to be, let's say, overstated and the NCAA botched and we've been well over that. You know, what exactly is the motivation there to say, let's give this guy a new three-year deal? Now, it's a private school and they can do what they want with their money, but it just really, it's fascinating to me that this is what happens behind the scenes, then people at high levels, the highest levels of a major university, in this case, Syracuse, like that's their conclusion here. That's what they feel is the answer. So Gross took the public embarrassment but got compensated well to do it. I mean, who wouldn't sign up for that gig? We mentioned Bayheim had to sit out nine games, lost scholarships, but, you know, really fought their way through it. And by the way, in that announcement, when the sanctions came out, Last year was supposed to be his last year as coach, but that all worked out because Hopkins left and Syracuse felt they had to respond, and there's a new athletic director and John Wildhack here, and let's go with stability, and Beheim gets a new contract. So that he didn't lose his job as he could have when the sanctions came out or when that three-year you know, retirement contract was up, air quotes. So you know who gets hurt in this through this whole thing? The student-athletes, the team in 2015 that had to sit out the tournament by the university's own hand to try and appease the NCAA. Now, that was a team that was, you know, would they have made the tournament? That was the Rakeem Christmas team. that He just carried that team through. So we can debate whether that team would or would not have made it. But remember, this was a cloud hanging over them. This was a distraction. This was something that really affected how the season went. It was announced during the season that they were shutting it down and imposing a postseason ban. Gross got his money, if anything, got more. 
Bayheim had to sit nine games, but he's still coaching here and he's still doing okay. Who really gets hurt in this whole thing when you really look at it? The players on that team. The student athletes were the one that took the biggest hit from this. And they had nothing to do with it. They had nothing to do with it. It's incredible. So Chris did an amazing job on the story, go through it, and you just kind of sit there and you say, this is what your response is to this? Let's give them a new three-year deal. And again, it's their money. It's their money. And, 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 you know, it's not a public university. If it was, I think there would be much more, uh, let's say, a stronger reaction to this in a certain way. But it just kind of shows you how things work at high levels at places sometimes. And you just kind of scratch your head and say, why exactly did you feel you needed to do this? So check it out. Great job by Chris on that story. Because there's certain things we don't, it's like, We'll take the hit now. We'll kick the can down the road. And when people find out, people find out. And hopefully it will all have blown over by now. So I guess that's my question. Now that you know this, do you just kind of say, yeah, whatever. It was a few years ago. Went to the Final Four. Football's better. Things are okay. It's their money. They can do what they want with it. Or do you say, wait a minute. What are we doing here? That is the question. On that note, we will break. We'll change gears when we come back. Talk some NBA Finals. Our buddy Anthony Lima, 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. I mean, they know they're done. The question is, is LeBron done in that city? Let's get to that. More coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. All right. Kenny Chesney going to play this tonight? That'd be a surprise cover, right? This is not our phone number. Our phone number is 437-7644. We have a text line, too, 2880644, if you'd like to participate in the program. If you'd like to get a hold of Jenny, though, because we got her number. Grab a pen. Here it comes. Ready? Writing that down. Is that the complaint uh, call number if there's long lines for the shuttle buses tonight at Kenny Chesney? 8675309. Call that number, see what happens if you gotta wait an hour for a bus tonight, which hopefully you won't have to, because they apparently have addressed that issue. But you never know. I mean with that fancy open, let's do this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why thank you, so are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. I have two more quick things on LeBron James. One is this. I don't know if you heard it in the press conference last night, and this is Mark Schwartz of ESPN, who certainly made no friends around here when he did his botched, ridiculous, over-the-top Bernie Fine stories. And... That made me sad, not only because of how Syracuse was in the spotlight and all the wrong reasons for that case and how that turned out, but I spent a day with Mark Schwartz when I was on the college game day broadcast about Syracuse football, which was 10 years ago, which is incredible to think about. And I liked Mark. He was professional. He was great. I thought we got along good. And then, you know, it all kind of went to hell when he did 
his ridiculous Bernie Fine investigation. So he certainly makes no friends around here, and LeBron James isn't having it either. Describe what was in your mind both tonight and last year when Kevin Durant launched that shot from the wing. Um, I actually think you should be like a psychiatrist. You want to just keep trying to get in somebody's mind. That's the whole thing, huh, Mark? Uh, my, what's in my mind, miss it so we can get the rebound. Did it feel like last year to you? Did you think of it at that moment? No. Chris, last question over here. Mark Schwartz, ladies and gentlemen, ESPN. I think uh, what was in your mind is the new talk about. And I understand that sometimes you do have to ask that question. But when you're playing a game, you don't have time to sit and ponder and make decisions. You play, you do, you react. When you ask an athlete or a coach or somebody, what were you thinking, it tends to be more like, LeBron, why did you go back to Cleveland instead of to another NBA team, something that does require some thought. So the question, it's not talk about, okay? Talk about is ridiculous, and I can't, I am trying to eradicate it from the great sports minds that are out there, and I, I have taught two classes on this at Syracuse University and have banged that drum as loud as possible, so hopefully it'll spread like a virus and we can eradicate this thing. It's a bad example because I want to eradicate a virus, <laughs> not spread it. But you know what I'm saying? Talk about is not a question, it's a demand. At least there is some sort of thought to what were you thinking to ask that question. But as you could tell, LeBron wasn't having it there. As for where LeBron will end up, here's what Chris Bosch was thinking about that today on The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Uh, I would guess that he goes to Houston. Why? Because uh, it's like the next Avengers movie. You know, just Golden State with like... 100 superheroes, and then Houston <laughs> with 100 superheroes, and they fight. Infinity and, War, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's just what it's coming down to. I mean, Houston would have to gut that team. It would essentially be LeBron, Chris Paul, James Harden. We mentioned the Lakers and how that makes a lot of sense with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or one of the other. I'm intrigued by Philly. I keep coming back to Philly. I think there's just this young base there. I think they could get to the finals there. If you just want ready-made championships, it's Houston. Houston pushed Golden State to the limit. Had they had Chris Paul in the final games of that series, I think they could have beaten Golden State. You put LeBron James on that team, they will beat Golden State. That's hot. Speaking of the Philadelphia, I don't know if this will enter LeBron's decision-making. Uh, so Brian Colangelo <clears throat> resigned, air quotes, as president of the Sixers today. Uh, the statement uh, put out by Philly, our investigation revealed substantial evidence that Mr. Colangelo was the source of sensitive, non-public, club-related information contained in certain posts to the Twitter accounts. We believe that Mr. Colangelo was careless and in some instances reckless in failing to properly safeguard sensitive, non-public, club-related information and communication with individuals outside the 76ers organization. This is Brett Brown. He is the head coach of the Sixers. You know, there, there was a, a level of uncertainty when it was first declared. Uh, when it first became public, there was certainly confusion. Um, you know, we understand Joel's immediate reaction. Uh, I have had the chance to speak to, since then, most of our players. And uh, it certainly was an incredibly unfortunate situation that that did confuse people it confused our players um we feel strong like the communication with our players has been achieved and the lesson is what social media can do 
Now, usually you hear about somebody getting fired with something they said on social media. It's somebody who's not the head executive of an NBA team that has the future that the Sixers do. It's You're a grown man, and you are relaying and giving the opportunity for people to build ghost accounts or burner accounts, as they call them, to put. It's one thing if you're spouting your opinion, if you're accessible media-wise, and you'll come back at people if you're honest. That's one thing. But to have these burner accounts out there, whether you form them or your wife form them or, you know, your evil twin form them, how social media of all stupid things can bring you down. Now, social media can be used for great purposes, to spread causes. It's a great news source. If you know how to you know, use Twitter at its best, it can become one of the great breaking news sources out there. It can also do things like this. So you say to yourself, how did I go down? Did I lose my job because I didn't do my job? The Sixers were not as good as I built them to be. That you can live with, okay? You get into sports, you build a team, you realize this can happen. By the way, Sam Hankey somewhere just has to be dancing a jig at this point. Trust the process, right? But to know that you went down, and he'll probably get some cushy gig in the front office or something. Brian Colangelo is a well-respected person in basketball. But no, that's this is how you went down for some stuff you put on Twitter. That's how. That's how sport. That's how talk show hosts get fired. You know, like if I get fired because of something I say on Twitter, I guess I'll have to live with that because, you know, you have to use these means of social media and other things to get your message out there and talk to people. And inevitably, I'm going to respond to somebody that wants Jim Beheim to play man-to-man defense, and I'm going to lose my job because of it. I can live with that, though. You're the executive of a team that's about to compete with the Boston Celtics as the best team in the East, and that's how you go down? That's not what I would want on my legacy and my resume. That's for sure. Uh, Terrell Owens has disinvited himself from his own Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Put out a statement today saying that, um, let's see if I can pull it up for you here. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, while I'm incredibly appreciative of this opportunity, I have to made the decision to publicly decline my invitation to attend the induction ceremony in Canton. I've already shared this with the hall after visiting Canton earlier this year. I came to the realization that I wish to celebrate what will be one of the most memorable days of my life elsewhere. At a later date, I will announce where and when I will celebrate my induction. Now, I campaigned for T.O. to make the Hall of Fame. And I had to grit through my teeth to do it because I don't like Terrell Owens. I cover Terrell Owens when I work for the Buffalo Bills. T.O. is all about T.O. T.O. will always be about T.O. He is one of the most selfish athletes I have ever encountered in my life. The fact that he had to wait a year to get in the Hall of Fame is absurd because he has the numbers, he has the resume, he has the career. That was just spite from reporters, and it was ridiculous. But the fact that he pulled this... It won't go to the most prestigious thing a football player can go through. Doesn't not only tell you everything you need to know about T.O., it reinforces everything you thought you already knew about T.O. You don't do this. It's the Hall of Fame. It does not get better than this. It is the ultimate honor for any professional football player. And he says, I'm going to do my own thing for that. Well, what does that tell you? It tells you everything you thought you already knew. Just absurd. It's his choice. It's fine. But it's interesting how no one else has ever done this. Even the most ego-filled, selfish individual in the history of football up to this point, because T.O. takes that title now, have all said, 
Yeah, I think I'll go to that. I think I'll, I, I think I can show for that. I'll put that on the calendar, you know, to go into the Hall of Fame and be there and appreciate the fans that show up to see you at that induction ceremony, respect what the Hall of Fame is and what it means to join that ever-exclusive club. I'll, I'm going to have my own party. You guys want to come? Unbelievable. We'll break on that now. We will come back with more. J.J., top of the hour. I certainly have Yankees and Mets on the mind with the Subway Series getting ready to go, but J.J. had an audience with the Pope recently. We have got to ask him about that. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.